0: Welcome to At the Table
1: with Darlene. As I look around here in the crowd today, uh, when as I begin to prepare and I begin to think throughout the week on what I was going to minister, and knowing that we were going to have juniors in the house and going to have the teens down here in the house, and I look around and I see so much potential in this house. I see so much that's working in this house, and so much more that God wants to do, and it's exciting to see that it's happening. And But I want to speak to you, the oldest that's in the room, whomever you are, down to the youngest that's still in the room today listening, and I want to speak to you all because God is something for every one of us to do, and it's really important that we seek the Lord and we have passion for our purpose that God wants to use us in and there's something that we all can do. And aren't you glad that in with God that there's not an expiration date? Aren't you thankful for that? I'm very thankful. At this stage in the game, Pastor Darrell and I are very, very excited about that God didn't put an expiration date on us and say we're no more useful to the kingdom of God. And if you're sitting here and you're still breathing, just know that there's not an expiration date on dreams and visions and what God wants to do and how he can still use you today. And he wants to do it from the youngest to the middle and on up. He wants wants to do it. And, and so I'm glad that I serve one that does not believe in expiration dates. Uh, when God has spoken over your life, over your business, over your calling, what he's called you to do, over your marriage, over your children, even if in the natural, it doesn't look good, it doesn't look like anything's working, that it's not going to come to pass, that the promise, you may feel like your time has expired and there's no way that you're going to be able to do what God God is asking you to do or you want to do, but just like the scripture was read, it's the most popular scripture that is ever read, Jeremiah 29, Because God's plans for you, that means that when he sets a plan into motion for your life, he doesn't have an expiration date on it. Only you can choose to expire and not fulfill what God has called you to do. It's only up to you. We get to choose. But I hope that this morning, seeing what you've seen, hearing what you've heard, it's going to stir up the gift of faith within in you to believe God for whatever God wants to do. Because see, even though the teens are teenagers, there is under them another generation that you are speaking to when you do something for God. There are juniors that are watching you and say, I want to be like them when I get a little bit older. The nursery kids, when they begin, those little toddlers, they begin to watch and they begin to look up and raise their hands. They want to be held by the juniors. They want to be held by the teens I'm telling you we all have something that we are to pass on and so it's exciting when we see it in the house and we are to reach generations that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and his promises are yes and amen aren't you excited about that because everything that God has spoke to your heart and some of you you think God hasn't told you anything that's because you're not listening to him because he's t- you're not reading the word you're not praying You're not listening because we are not to be just in this life to just exist and can't wait to get out of it. There's a whole world out there. That's what they think. And that's the reason there are so many suicides because they don't understand that there's such a purpose. And it is up to us. It's up to you. It's up to all of us. To let others know that they have purpose, that the generations around them and under them and over them, they still have purpose that God wants them to do. God, Jesus is real. He's not a myth. He's a living Savior. And we are to be the carriers of him everywhere we go. He who is, prom, he is faithful. And we know that he's faithful. Well, then if we know that he's faithful, every promise that he has, he is going to do if we will allow him. And it is a purpose-filled life that is an exciting life. As we need to know in our hearts and our life that today... I'm living for purpose. I'm living for a reason. There's something that I am to do. Tammy, there's something that God still wants you to do. God still has purpose for your life. Every one of you that's sitting here, Lauren, I'm going to talk to you in just a minute. Because God dealt with my heart today. Yeah, no, yesterday, last night, as I I was uh, preparing, because God's got something for you. God's got something for all of you, whether I call your name or whether I don't. God has such purpose for your lives. And I want to just uh, tell you something here today, that there is such a generational situation going on around us. Now, it's really easy when we look in the natural. There's, there's a lot of voices that are speaking volumes into the atmosphere, You hear it on the news, you hear it if you watch any TV shows, uh, if you're on Facebook. I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that are going on on Facebook that are not glorifying God. I really don't know that, but I hear an awful lot about people talking about it. I don't put nearly what I should for WAW on there. I don't watch. I don't read. I don't live by Facebook. I just don't. But if you're going to live by Facebook, make sure that you live righteously by Facebook. You make sure that you're putting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ on there. You make sure that you're bringing hope. You're not taking something that you're mad about and you're putting it on there and you're telling everybody what for because you're angry and mad and you've got that pencil in hand. Basically, that's what it is cuz you want to tell everybody how you feel. We can't do that. There's a generation around us that need the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. They need hope. Many times we hear messages about Joshua. I mean, we all have to be impressed by Joshua, right? We're very thankful for him. We're thankful that he was one of the two spies that came back with a good report. I'm thankful for Joshua. I mean, I'm thankful that. He has a whole chapter you know, in the Word of God, a whole book, I'm sorry, a whole book in the Word of God. So we hear a lot of preaching about him, about what a wonderful leader he was, but there were flaws within Joshua, and we have to be careful, or that same flaw could be recorded about us, and it would indicate that he was guilty, along with others, for passing the torch or the baton. This is my baton today. I was kind of hoping Bobby was here. He's not, but I, I mentioned before, Bobby, when uh, they uh, they were here at our church for a while, he was actually here last Sunday, maybe before. But when he left, he gave me a set of drumsticks, and he said, I want you to pray for me every time you see those drumsticks. So I pray for Bob, Bobby. Now, don't let everybody bring me everything. Well, you go ahead. Maybe it'll be fine. Keeps me praying. Keeps me on my toes. But anyway. This is my baton today. Judges 2, 8 and 9 tells us that Joshua had passed away and he was buried in the land of his inheritance. So that was a good thing. He was buried where the fathers were. But then we come to verse 10 and I want you to look at verse 10 because it's one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible when Joshua and his generation died. And we don't hear this preached about a whole lot, but it's a truth. And God wanted it in his word. And also, all that generation were gathered to their fathers, which was a good thing. And then there arose another generation after them who did not know. They didn't recognize or they didn't understand the Lord or even the work that which he had done. Now, when we think about Joshua, we wouldn't have thought that that would ever be. But after he was gone, and all those fathers that we are so thankful for, but the generation under them, there was no one of the Israelites that knew the ways of God. Solid Rock, we have a big commission. We have a really big commission. And may it not be said that anyone any one of us dare to not pass on the baton to the next generation, to those that's under us, those that's around us, in your family, in your home. You should be speaking the word of God because it's a sad indictment. It would be that if we allowed a generation and the world out there is trying to drown them, the world is out there trying to. Push the woke generation on them and trying to lead them down a path that is to destruction. And the Church of Jesus Christ, Solid Rock Family Church in Farmington, Missouri. We need to say no to because they are speaking to the generations from the the preschool on up and on into even 50 and 60 and 70 year olds are being uh, just downright ignorant. In things that they're beginning to grab hold and they're beginning to speak. I, I said this to someone the other day. I, I listened in a, in astonishment that on the news, they said that these groups that are going in in entitlement. And they're going in and they're bursting in in groups into stores and they're stealing Whatever they choose, up to a certain amount of money, $1,000, I think, and they're not going to get in any kind of trouble. But they're organizing, and the mob is coming together. And you know what they said the age of that was? Listen to me carefully. 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50-year-olds that were going in and doing this. There's generations here that do not know God. They don't know about Jesus Christ. They don't know about the hope tomorrow for tomorrow. And we need to be praying, God, somehow arrest by your spirit, somehow send people into their past, somehow they can get the message of Jesus Christ and keep at least those around us. Let's teach them the way of the Lord so they too can teach, so that you can teach your little brother, so that you can teach someone else under you that you can keep the baton, the flame of the Lord Jesus Christ going out into generations. We don't have an option to quit. We do not. You and I do not have an option to quit. It would be the most selfish thing that we ever did if we quit carrying the baton of faith in our lives. In 2004, and I told this story one year at a ladies' conference that we had uh, several years ago, but I want to share it this morning with you. In 2004, in Athens, Greece, it was the Olympics. And four of our U.S. mighty women, fastest runners ever, they went... And they were going to win the four by 100 meter relay. These girls could do it. I think about our two athletes back there, Lauren and, and Hannah. And, I mean, they're just doing wonderful. God is using them. But you're not just there to, to do your sports. God wants to use you to be different. You two girls, I'm telling you what, you have a baton of faith that's inside of you. You have the word of God that's inside of you. And you owe it, Hannah. You owe it, Lauren, to those around you and to those that's younger than you. And even those that may be older than you. To be godly in what God has called you to do. Because he's put the gifts, the talents in you. And he wants to use you mightily. But these four girls... They should have won. They were the fastest team with each of the four fastest runners. And our team should have crossed the line first had nothing happened in the exchange zone. It's really important what we do with the baton that we have. It's really important that we do it right. Right that we pass the right things on to those around us. And we do it at the right time, at the right moment, and we don't <laughs> drop it we were supposed to be on time. The entire race rested on the exchange zone. We should call this the exchange zone today because that's where all of us are going to make choices on what we're going to do. And But until the last person runs across the line, nobody wins because they're a team. If one person is disqualified, everyone is disqualified. If you're to give the gospel message to somebody and your life is supposed to speak and you get tired and you quit and you backslide your children, you're accountable for them if you drop the baton in the exchange You can blame mom and dad and you can blame everybody else. But sir, ma'am, it's up to us. When God's giving you young people a baton, it's yours to carry, not someone else's. Don't blame mom and dad because they're not doing it. Miriam Jones. And you can all look this up sometime. Don't look it up now. Look, you can look it up later. It's true facts. Trust me. That's right. Just trust me. Miriam Jones, she comes into the exchange zone. It's a 20-meter zone. The entire race hinges on that 20 meters. If I drop the baton before God's finished with me, I'm going to mess you up. When she came into the zone... She slowed down a little bit because of fatigue. Now that'll preach. But she had run and did a long, a long jump the day before, and she was a little fatigued. And then Lauren Williams, she took off just a little bit too early. She wasn't quite ready. Wasn't quite time. Wasn't quite time. Well, she was ready, but it wasn't quite time. So when Miriam Jones came into the exchange zone, Laura Williams had taken off and Miriam couldn't get the baton into her hand in time. Lauren, Lauren grabbed the baton outside the exchange zone and because she grabbed Grabbed it outside the exchange zone. They disqualified her. Marion Jones was winning the race coming in. And because fatigue or distractions, she didn't. And because the other one went just a little bit too early, they didn't make the exchange. So these ladies went on in 2008 in Beijing in the Olympics When they should have won again, Marion, this time when she came into the exchange zone and handed the baton to runner number three, they dropped the baton. It dropped again. Everyone was disqualified, again, because they weren't doing their job, because they weren't where they should. They were the fastest runners, totally the fastest runner. That, that was proven. They, the U.S. had the best team. So here in first time in 2004, they lost because they passed the baton too late, and it was outside the exchange zone. We wait too late. I'm going to win. I'm going to. I know I need to be praying over my kids. I know I need to be reading the word to them. I know I need to be encouraging them. I know I need to be a better husband. I know I need to be a better wife. I know I need to. Exchange zone is so important. The reason the next... Generation will not hear about the faithfulness of God as if we, you and me, this generation wait too long to... To hand the baton. That's why it's so exciting. See the baton. They've got a baton. They went out and they helped. And they did the missions. Don't wait until you get 50 to do something for somebody. Because you're lovable to be ending up going into the stores. Listening to somebody. Or maybe leading the troop that feels they're entitled. Or feels like it doesn't matter. Has no conscience. Like the generation after Joshua. That knew not God. somewhere in this life if we're not careful we'll forget what we're running for we'll forget what our purpose is why are we here why 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 are we here it's because we got purpose it's because god saw beforehand he saw before time and he put potential in us and he's put us around people that can encourage us and we can be an encourager because he has got purpose in all of our life. Every one of us, God, has got purpose inside of us. It doesn't matter how gifted or talent each one of us are individually. If we do not get the ton of the faith of God and a revelation of who Christ is and what he means to me and what that means for me to be. If we don't get a revelation of that we will not finish our course well. It's not about how great we are. It's like they said. It's not about the teenagers that did it, except they were big. They were carrying a baton. They were doing something. They were ministering to someone else. Teach your children to minister to others. And you do that by example. You keep ministering to other people. You keep encouraging other people. You keep doing for other people. Whether they deserve it or not, keep on doing it. Do it to the Lord. Ask it to the Lord. They dropped the baton in the second race. And I wanna say this before I move on to them again. Each of us, every one of us, every person here, you are leaving, whether you got legs or not, you still got spiritual feet. And you're leaving a footprint. And what does your footprint look like? What are you walking toward or what are you walking from? But we're all walking somewhere with a purpose because it's going to leave an imprint on somebody's life because the Word of God talks about you that goes and spreads the good news of Jesus Christ. It's a great day when ordinary people. People choose to use the God divine calling. And Give it to the generation around us. It doesn't matter what sphere of influence that we are in. We've been committed to run our leg of the race with integrity. I don't know what leg you're in. I think uh, Pastor and I are probably we're in the we're in the box. (laughs) We're right there in that fourth leg. But I tell you what, we want to run it well, because if we don't, we will if we get too tired, and we get too overwhelmed, then we're going to show up too slow. And we're not going to be able, and if you're not ready or if you're running ahead, you're not going to, to catch it, and you're not going to be able to reach the generation that you're supposed to. When I look across this gener- uh, this audience today, I see so many people that are leaving footprints. I think about our precious Coleman family that's here today, that the missionaries to Haiti that is leaving a the footprint. Their footprint is in Haiti. Those people, that what you've put and poured into their life what you've done to in their lives as a family, as you've walked with your children, the footprint that you put on your children, God is using that. It's so important what we do and what our footprint is leaving behind. The Apostle Paul tells us that on this earth we're to run the race and finish our course. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And so many times we think, okay, I'm just going to wait. And then I'm going to sprint and I'm going to run across the finish line. I'm going to do it. No, it's a marathon. And we can't give up. We do give water to each other once in a while. We do encourage each other once in a while. We do get the word of God out. and let's say, let's uh, Come on now, this is what the word of God says. You can make it. You got this. God has got you. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you know, Hebrews 11 talks about all the heroes of faith and names so many. I mean, they go, you, I'd encourage you if you don't read, if you don't know anything about Hebrews, shame on you. But, uh, no, not shame on you. Just get in there. Read it. Heroes of faith. Those that have gone on before us, those that had names and those that were nameless, but the faithfulness of God was there. And then we go into Hebrews 12 and it says, therefore... And it's talking about that because Hebrews 11 tells us about the faith that carried uh, God's people through their lives. And even some that they never knew their name, they might, you may never, your name may never be known, but you can be assured that He knows my name. He knows your name. He knows exactly who you are. And He knows the purpose that He has for your life. Therefore, we are so surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and and now sat down at the right hand of the Father. Him who endured, endured such opposition from sinful man that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We are encouraged. Don't lose heart. Look around you and see. What a great time that you're living in. Oh, we can say how horrible it is and what all is going on, but I'm telling you what an honor and what a privilege it is for you and I to be a light in the world of darkness. You are created for such a time as this. And let's don't lose heart. Let's don't be like the Joshua generation. So many may think, what am I doing that counts? Feeling depleted in their faith, thinking I can't do anything. May I just say this kindly, that the reason that we get depleted is because we lose sight of our source of completion. He's our completer of our faith. And when we get weary, it's because we're not looking to the creator of our faith. It can only be found in Christ. We are in the exchange zone. What do we do with the next 20 meters? You got 20 more meters now. We're all at different stages. I don't want to be like Joshua and look around and look back and be trying to cheer you on. And there's nobody there because I didn't do my job. I didn't love on you enough. I didn't, my footprints, they weren't deep enough you couldn't follow them. Living for Christ is the best thing you'll ever get to do. Living the kingdom life, knowing that it's in Christ and through Christ. I want a generation that knows who God is, who runs faster and harder and goes farther than any of us. I think about little Nora. Nora, she spends a lot of time around here, she's a church kid. And I, I just, she—I I guess she must have went up. Sometimes she's down here all the way through. But I thought about Nora, and I thought, you know, we've never had a work day. We've never done anything for Women's Conference. We, I mean, she just works around here all the time, and she always wants to work. And so she's going to be one of those teens that's going to say, oh, yes, I want to go clean somebody's house. I want to go, I want to go help. I want to do. Thank God for the little ones that love to do. They love to help clean. They love to help do. And I think about Lauren. I was thinking about you, hun. I was thinking about your tender heart before God. And the enemy would want nothing more than to harden your heart. The enemy would want nothing more than to sabotage what the plan that God's got for you. And Hannah, the same for you. The same for you girls, and I said it a well while ago, and I'm not trying to intentionally point you out, but God is. And you guys have a mission. There's a relay. There's something besides what you'll find on the court. There's something else that is, that's going to matter, that's going to last forever. And it's those that you are ministering to. Those that you are living the life that your footprints are so deep that they're going to want to go where you're going. They're going to want to serve the God that you're serving. They want to know The Jesus that you know. It's important that we pass the baton on to young women and young men, to our children that are strong and know how to make it through leg one and leg two and leg three. They're going to need the strength for that leg three, you know. They have to be, it has to come by example. And so we have to do what's right. And we have to learn that there are times when you feel like you're left out. Sometimes you think, I nobody notices me. Nobody knows what I do. I'm on the backside of the desert. Nobody understood that I'm the one that does clean the toilets. Nobody understands that I am the one that shows up every time there's a fundraiser or there's something going on. I am the one that fixes meals and takes to someone. I am the one. And you may feel, then you may be the one that feels like God's not talking to you. You may feel like you're, God's nothing's going on. But we have to learn that God will take us into a time of obscurity to prepare us for things that he's prepared for us. I spent a lot of time in obscurity. Even since Pastor and I have been married, there's many times where not for sin or not for any reason, but it's like the, God, the Lord would say, just sit and be quiet. Just sit and be quiet. Just serve. Just serve. Just serve. Those are good days. Those are, the, those are times when you might be in leg two, you know, of the race. Because you know what? Nobody starts at the finish line. You can't. You know, everybody wants to get to the finish line. Well, you don't start there. We get to run there, and it's not a sprint. I told you that it's a marathon to get there. Most everyone in the in the Bible, you'll see that they were in obscurity for a long time, sometimes twenty years, sometimes more. It's a heart after God. That will keep us in the race. May we become more determined than we've ever been before to be everything that God wants to do. You know, no one wakes us up in the morning. You may your kids and tell them, you know what? You need to read the word of God before you go to school today. No one makes us pray. No one makes you work to help your family to do daily what is right. You do it because you want to help your family. You want to work because to work is right. If you can't at all, if you're able at all, that's a right thing. But there again, we have to have a passion because we love those around us. Remember the passion of the Christ that Mel Gibson wrote? You know, he he did not write call it the boring obligation of the Christ. He said it was a passion of the Christ. And a while ago, uh, Carissa, as she was talking, she was talking about the Jesus that came, in, and it was a dirty job. What You know, it was a dirty place where he was raised up. And so sometimes life gets dirty, and it gets messy, and relationships get messy. But I'm telling you what, when we have a passion for Christ, even that one that don't want to do anything, that one that you think is never going to grow up, they're never going to take responsibility, You keep loving on them. You keep telling them that God has a purpose for them, that God's not finished with them. Be an encouragement. There has to be passion so that we won't drop the baton in the exchange zone. Great crowd of witnesses saying, come on, you can do it. You can do it don't stop now you're almost there come on now you have two more zones to go you're only in two some of you are only in one come on now you can do this God wants to use you there's neighbors around you that don't know Jesus Christ there's people where you go into at the restaurant they need to know they need a smile today they don't need your crabbiness and your hatefulness do you know that that person that aggravates you and ticks you off they already know that they're an aggravator and they tick you off and and when you If you do that instead of love them, you will not get to the next uh, leg of your race. Will you give me my water, please? Thank you. Our divine purpose is to evangelize our world with the good news. You've got the good news. It's exciting if you have it with a passion. It's exciting when you get to tell someone that's down, that this too shall pass. Hang in there. Let me pray with you. Not only am I going to pray with you right now, I'm going to pray for you later today. Not only that, I'm going to pray for you tomorrow. Holy Spirit, help me to remember. I'm telling you what, Holy Spirit doesn't forget anything. He doesn't. If you really want to be reminded, he'll remind you. And then we can be obedient. Living for Christ will cost you everything. Because see, we trade in who we are for who he is. It was a great day when I realized that I wasn't anything special. I was nobody. But if I would give it all, He would take my nothing and turn it into something. And he does the same for you. My story is not that I did it all right. In fact, I did so much wrong. But because of him and because of his grace, he has done a work that only he could do. We can stay depressed and down. I did it for years. Didn't feel like I was ever going to get out of the situation because I didn't know I was supposed to depressed, and hurt, and wounded. But then there came the time when I understood how much Jesus loved me. It's by grace, God's grace. Would you come, Dylan? It's by God's grace that I've been allowed to pastor alongside of my sweet husband. It's only God's grace that we get to do anything. It's by God's grace that I get to travel And I get to minister to women. It's by God's grace that he puts me before bishops and they listen to the word of the Lord coming forth out of my mouth. It's by God's grace. It's a miracle that I can speak clearly enough and gather my thoughts enough that you could understand. But I fell in love with my Jesus, and I'm telling you, when you fall in love with Jesus, you have passion for your purpose. If you have no passion for your purpose, you're not in love yet. In Revelation, he said, I have somewhat against you because you have lost your first love. He wanted Peter to understand the depth of his own love for the master. And he will do that to you. And maybe he's doing that today and he's saying, How much do you love me? How much do you care about what I care about? Or do you care more about what you care about? And then, if that's true, you got to say, What do I care about? We have to ask ourselves honest Honest questions. questions, things that will get us to our purpose. I've told this story, and I'm going to tell it again before we close here. I fell in love with my Jesus. I'd always loved him as a child, but as life went on, he became more and more real to me. I sat in a women's conf- or a missions conference in 1988, and I listened to a woman named Daisy Osborne. She preached about God had raised her up. And I listened as she talked about her ministry in Africa. Just, I was sitting, there was thousands of people at John Osteen's back in the day, you know. And I was listening, and I just wept, and I wept. And the thought, the audacity of a thought that came to me that said, If she could do that, Lord, could I do that to myself? But I wept. If you can do it for her, God, could you do it in me? The call had been there for a long time, from the time I was a child. I know that it was. But see, when we were at in 1988, I was only in the second leg of the race. A year later, Daryl and I made our first missionary trip to Africa. There had been. There was to come a day. Seven years after that, when I would stand at a conference that I was asked to go speak, 3,000 women in Nukura Kenya, rain poured during that conference. And the rain was just, it was just a sign of the rain of the spirit that was happening as those women got so drenched, as the platform was so wet, And how God allowed me to get to preach and speak to those 3,000 women that were registered at that conference. It was such a beautiful thing. And a young pastor that we had never met before came to my husband and came to me. And he said, the anointing that is on you to these women is the same anointing that was on Daisy Osborne when she came." And you could have just thrown, I mean, it was the most amazing thing. You'd never know the footprints. Daisy Osborne had no idea that she was losing, she was leaving footprints for Darlene Rhodes. You do not know. Well, I do have some ideas. (laughs) There will be those out of this church that are going to rise up. And they're going to go farther than I've ever got to go. You're going to carry the baton on into the next. You're going to get into that next leg and on into the other one. And I know Pastor feels the same way in this church. That's why we love these kids so much, these juniors, those babies in the nursery. The teens, our young adults, our middle-aged ones, like our son, Lou and Tiffany. Sons and daughter in the, in the Lord. We have to learn to just simply trust him who is faithful. The writers of Hebrews reminds us of those who've come before us. And you're going before somebody. Every one of you here, you're going to walk before someone else. Young person, you're going to walk before someone else. Make your life count. We don't have an option to quit. I thank you. You're what's kept me from quitting. You have kept me from getting too tired. You have kept me from going into any kind of depression. I tried that life. It was horrible. I don't ever want to go back. And I will not in Jesus name, but it's you that has kept me with my nose pointed in the direction that God wants me to go. The word of God, the Hebrew, heroes of faith saw the future generations worth running the race for. And now it's our time. We get to stand to your feet. Says, the word of God says, lay aside the weights and the sin that so easily trip us up. A weight and a sin. And, and I think pastor or someone just taught on it recently. I'm not really sure. Uh, He had my notes, so he probably used them, and he probably got it out of my notes. We have a joke. This is a joke. Okay. Uh, A weight is something that you carry with you. You know, sin, that's pretty easy. We know when we sin. If you're a Christian, you know when you sin. You know that you shouldn't have done that, and you need to make it right. Amen? But weights are things that we carry around, like unforgiveness. A weight can be something... Complaining, it's attitudes, self-worth, not feeling like there's a purpose for your life. The world gets dark when the lights go out. In Solid Rock, we're not going to let our lights go out. We're not going to allow the generation around us to not know who our God is. We're going to keep proclaiming him. Our journey is to be about the one that we carry the baton for. The one that died for us. Well, guess what? Now, fact finders, you want to do this, but not now after church. In the 2012 Olympics, and I hunted it up last night to make sure that it was still true, and it's still true. In 2020, in London, the Olympics, the U.S. ladies, the women's four by 100 meter relay, they won the race. At the end of the race, and see, this is what we're all about. We're going to the end of the race, we're going to set new records. For our little church in Farmington, Missouri, come on, let's set some new records. Come on, let's reach some more people for Jesus Christ. Come on, let's go to some more countries that we haven't been to before. Come on, young people, let's take some more mission trips. Let's help some more widows. Let's do some things that we haven't done before. Let's go just a little bit farther. The electronic board in 2020 said, "New world record." 40.82 seconds, and it holds today. They smashed a 27-year-old record held by the East Germans, said in 1985. See what we can do when we we won't quit. We won't give up. Jeter, who was the first to cross the line, said this about the team. I knew they were going to do their job. All we had to do was bring the stick home. All we have to do is bring the stick home. And we can do this together. We got to bring it around. We got to pass it off. We got to do our part. And if we'll do it, we'll all finish well. It had been a problem for the women's team. In the recent we've had our problems. We've had times where we've dropped the baton in this ministry. Pastor's been here almost forty seven years. I don't know, he's forgot he's been here so long, he don't even remember. I am giving him privilege though. Know. We just started that back. Just want you all to know it's better than it was. It was a problem. They were denied gold three times. It doesn't matter how many times you've been denied the gold. It doesn't matter how long you've been in obscurity. But it does matter that you keep running the race. And let's don't quit because we've had poor baton handoffs before. We don't quit because we've made mistakes. Today, we're making new commitments. That's to not miss our timing. Let's don't miss our timing. It's very important. Our timing is so important. And heaven, help us not to drop the baton in exchange zone so close. There's precious treasure in this house from the youngest Our sweet, sweet baby miracle. I think that's our youngest baby, right? How old is she? Three months. From our very youngest little miracle. Three months old. All the way to the oldest person in the room. Butch, don't let him talk to you like that. No, it's just, he just doesn't want to claim it. But there's treasures in this house and Christy, we are commissioned to carry the baton until we can hand it off to them. Well, give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the race that I'm in. I'm excited about the fact that I got four zones. And I might be in number four, but I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna run so fast that I can't hand it off to you rightly. It doesn't matter where you're at. It matters that we will not quit. We will not say die. We are stubbornly going to keep on until we have the world record for the smallest church in the USA to send more missionaries out their door preaching the word of God around the globe. Hallelujah. And they are on fire. They're taking it into their schools. They're taking it into their workplaces. They are taking Jesus everywhere they go. They're affecting their neighborhoods. And our families are strong. Our daddies are leading our homes. I tell you what, daddies, I love you and I thank God for you. I thank God for godly men. That's the most precious thing in the world is a godly man that knows that he's to be the priest of the house and that he's to love and cover that family and that he's to make sure that his children hear the word of God through his actions and attitudes. You may not open your Bible, but you're opening it every day one way or the other. Either you don't or you're not feeding them the word of God through your actions and attitudes and you're feeding them Attitudes that's going to keep them in number one. They never get out of the first zone because they never understand what God wants them to do without purpose. Luke, I'm handing it over to you today. And I want you to get up here, boy. And I want you, yes, you get up here and you're going to close this service out. I could have give it to anybody. I
0: gave it to you. Praise God. What a word. So we were talking Wednesday night and I we was sharing with Mama that what if God, what he's trying to do in you and in this church, it's going to take more than one generation. And if you think about it, the kingdom of God is from generation to generation. What God's trying to do is bigger than one lifetime. Because what's going to happen when we're all gone? What are we leaving? Just like the footprint. Is your footprint deep enough that people are going to fall into it? Or is it so shallow they're going to walk right by it? Right? Thank you, Lord. What are you leaving? You can leave wealth, fame, 401ks, retirement, all these things. My mom left me none of that. What she left me was a legacy of who Jesus Christ was. You can have everything. You can be Elon Musk, be reaching out to the other galaxies, all these things. A very brilliant man. But if he doesn't have Christ, he has nothing. What are you leaving behind? Maybe you don't have kids. Are you raising up spiritual kids, those around you? If there's nobody following you, you're not leading. Where are you going? I mean, if you look, you know, Jesus, what did he look at his disciples? He said, are you going to leave me too? Well, who are we leaving behind us? What are we going to leave? What I'm trying to say is that when you're gone, what is going to be said of you? Well, he was a nice person. He had wealth, fame, all these things. The American dream. What is it? Go to work, get the 401k match. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know all about that. But what am I leaving for those that are going to be here when I'm gone? You know, David in the Bible, God withheld him from creating the temple of God. He said, you're a man of war. David did a lot of things for God. David made a lot of mistakes like me. Made a lot of mistakes, but God said, "Hey, this this task isn't for you." But I am afraid most of us when God would maybe tell us not to do something, we'd say, "Okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. Well, I'll just ride this home. I got everything. I'm the king. I got it." But David maybe David was like this. Hmm. Okay, God. I can't build it. But you know what I can do? I can get the materials. I can get the best of the cedars of Lebanon for my son. I can get the gold. I can get this. I can do everything because I realize the kingdom of God is not about me and this temple represents more than just a building, more than just solid rock. Just as the temple, it represents the presence of God because I was there when we brought the presence of the Lord back to Jerusalem. I danced. I remember that we left the Ark of the Covenant at a man's house and everything that in that area was blessed. There was a, you know, David remembered in the word of God, he said, hey, we've got to carry it on the, the shoulders of the Levites, the Levitical priest, and bring it back to Jerusalem, which in our lives equates to this. If we do what the word of God says and we handle the presence of God rightly, we will therefore inherit the provision that comes along with that. Not that we can handle God, but we can honor and we can walk with the presence of God in our life, okay? So that temple David was in heaven dancing in the streets of glory, but you know what? He left a legacy. He left provision for his son. The Bible says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And God's, blessing, and God's blessings are until a thousand generations. So maybe in your life, we hear so much about generational curses. I can't get away from this. And all these things. Well, my daddy was an alcoholic, my mom was this, my mom was on welfare. My physical mom Let's say, your mom was on welfare, so I'm going to be on welfare. Whoa, 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 whoa. Welfare doesn't define you. You know who defines you? Jesus Christ. And So don't let things of this world define who you're going to be. And God's best is you're not dependent on anybody except for him. You say you're on a fixed income. Who fixed your income? God sure didn't because my God has cows on a thousand hills. And last I checked, cattle prices are high, so it's time to sell some cattle. Come on now. Yeah, you may come from provision and wealth and have these things, but trust me, it can evaporate just like that. Job lost everything in an instant. Probably one of the wealthiest men ever to walk the face of the earth, true wealth. Instantly lost it. But one thing he didn't lose, that core. When everybody else is gone, when the wife, the children, the job, the accolades, the media, the social media, Facebook, sports, fame, awards. When he stepped away and he was by himself, he had one thing. He had God. And when you have that, when you have that settled in your heart, wherever you go, wherever you're around, whether you're in a locker room, whether you're state champions, whether you're nobody, whether you're in a band concert or whether you're some famous actor, whatever, and you can step away and you have that alone time, just like the Jesus did. He would often pull away and spend time with the father. He set the example and he had that core. No matter what happened in his life, he had that relationship with God. Do you have that today? So I'm asking you, say, where are you at with God? I know I'm not where I need to be because the place God's wanting to take me, I don't know if I'm ready for it. What legacy am I leaving behind? Are people following me? Do people want to say, what's different about that guy? There was something the other day that was interesting. <laughs> Have you ever tried to explain the kingdom to someone who knows nothing about the kingdom? Right? So God, there was an opportunity at work. I was dealing with something. And this lady looked at me and she says, I don't even know why I'm doing this for you. I would normally just throw people out. You know, and your flesh ones think, well, you know, you're something special, but you know what it is. And then uh, it's a favor of God. This lady at my work just marvels at me because she's like, How does everything happen to you like this? Like you just deal with something, maybe a situation next to you know, people just want to do things for you. What do you think that is? The presence of God. It's not you, it's the presence of God in you. So I'm telling you today God's got a plan for you, God's got things that He wants to do, but there's things when you're gone, what are you leaving behind? Are the people that are following you, picking up what you're laying down? Maybe you've been rude, maybe you've been hateful. Remember the story in the Bible, Boaz, there was a man and he saw someone that was less fortunate than him. Her name was Ruth. And you know who Ruth is? She's in the line of Jesus. She was David's grandmother, right? Okay, Boaz was David's grandpa. And then David was in the line of Jesus. But he would go in the fields and he would leave food behind. That was a common practice that they would, they would leave those for people who didn't have it. They would leave something behind. But the people had to be, get off the couch and be willing to put their hand to the body. They had to do something. God didn't go just rain it out of the sky, folks. He did at times, but these days it ain't happening like that. It's called get off the couch and put your, get to work. But Ruth picked up what was being laying down. So, what I ask today for these generations that are coming on behind us, like a follow up, are we being nice to our children? Are we laying down love, peace, honor, hope, the things? Are we giving them future? Are we being nice? Dads, are we yelling at our kids? Are we loving them? Are we embracing them when they make mistakes? People who are living in sin, are we judging them? Are we loving them? We do this. Well, by God, they're doing this. They're going to hell. Yeah, and so were you. So were you. I've heard it many times. We either go to heaven with the hypocrites or go to hell with them. I'm going to heaven because we're all hypocrites. So are we leaving for the next generation that baton? It's hashtag 20 meters is what I got. That's, that could be a business principle, Chris. 20 meters, what are we knowledge transfer? What are we giving to the people that after we leave and we're gone and we're retired, what are we leaving for the next generation? In this church, pastor, what are you leaving behind for me? That's a word from God for you. The keys, the trials, the betrayals, the things that tried to define and destroy you in your ministry are some of the greatest keys and opportunities and platforms that you can give to the next generation this is what i went through but look at the golden key i have now it will open up doors that i was never able to walk through because for such a time as this if you don't step up god will raise someone else up but i heard a preacher say one time god i wasn't your first choice i may be the ninth in line but i will be your last choice amen so god's calling on you today so we're gonna pray if you're in here and you don't know God or you're doing things Jesus would never do, yes, if you're doing things that Jesus would never do and you know what that is, you know what sin is. Get right, repent, because just like that, it could be over. And would you be in the hands of a loving Savior or would you be in an eternal hell? It's your choice. I hate this nonsense and this notion that they say God sends people to hell. God's never punched anybody, ticket it to hell, but you do every day by the choices you make. It's up to you. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Just like that. So don't judge people, we gotta love them. So what are we leaving, are we leaving love and hate? Are we leaving love or hate behind? I would think that, like the word says, all men will know that you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. Love your children, love your family, love the sinner, love the unlovable, love the dirty. Because you know what, who are you to call unclean? What God has called clean, amen? So Father, we love your word, God. God, I love what you did with Sandra Hassel, Can any good thing come out of Salem? Yes, it can. And God, you right. raised her up to a position to do great things for you, Lord. Father, I thank you, God, that you can do something with a young man from Stony Point, Missouri. God, that you can take someone that has nothing, that, that used to fight the mice for food, <laughs> and you can take him to go to other parts of the world and do great things for the kingdom of God. Father, I thank you, God, that you are no respecter of persons, God, that simply means that you'll do it for anybody if we'll just hook up to you. God, I heard it once said, if we just get a hold of you, God, that you'll take us to places we've never been. God, that if we only believe in you, God, you could do greater things, God, that we could ever think or imagine, Father. God, I speak and I decree in this church, God, that you're raising up and you're sending forth and sending out and sending over missionaries God, I thank you that you're sending financial entrepreneurs that will be wise in the things of the world so they can build and finance the kingdom of God, so they can dig wells in other nations, so they can build homes, they can build churches, they can pay for plane fares. they can pay for materials, they can pay for food and pay, God, to send the gospel to the four corners of the word. God, I thank you, God, for financial opportunity, God. I thank you for workers, God. I thank you for people that will come alongside and will say, yes, I will clean the toilets. I will clean the parking lot. I will pick up trash. I thank you for ushers that are God called and God anointed, that they will be true keepers of the watch of the kingdom of God. Like you said in your word to watch and pray. Father, I thank you, God, that you're raising up ministers, more ministers in this church. Because, God, there's enough noise in the world and the devil has enough mouthpieces in this world. God, it's time For your people to rise. Because this world has never seen a social media outbreak like the Holy Ghost. And like the thing that's going on all over Facebook. Holy Spirit, activate in our time, Lord. Spirit of God, I pray that you will rise up and begin to shake, God, the core of our nation, the core of our world. God, that you will shake churches, God. And God, people that won't buy in, God, I pray, God, that they check out because this church is moving forward with the kingdom of God. God, we will not let, allow lack or we will not allow the world and the Satan's kingdom to define our identity, who we are in Christ. Because we, just like you made that transformation from Jesus of Nazareth to Jesus the Christ. Because people minimize you who you were, Lord. They said, oh, that's just uh, jo- uh, Joseph's boy from Nazareth. He's nobody. But Jesus, you knew who you were in your father. It's just as well as I know who I am in you, Father. Because apart from you, I can do nothing, Lord. But in you, I can do all things, Lord. I speak and decree life over this church. God, I thank you that sickness will not define our ministry. Tammy, we do not allow that chair to define who you are in the ministry that God has for you. I thank you, Father God, that people who have dealt with things for years in this church, God, the tree is being shaken, God, and the fruit is falling. And God, now is the time for such a time as this, Father. I break every demonic stronghold over this church in the name of Jesus, God, because we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers and rulers in darkness in high places. Things that are unseen are really the problem not what is seen. Forgive us, God, for looking at our spouse, our children, our friends, and saying, you're the problem. Father, let us recognize what the problem really is. And it's the enemy who's seeking to destroy us, God. The word says that he's seeking whom he may devour. But Father, I thank you that now is the time that this church is going to rise up and fulfill the will, God, for such a time as this. And we are setting the platform, God, for a great revival and revivals to come until that very day, God, that we will ascend to the kingdom of God and live forever and ever with you, Father. And God, I thank you for your word today, God. I thank you that it is sealed, God. I thank you that people's hearts are fertile soil, God, and that we will see a hundred, a thousandfold return, God, that people will walk out of here, God, and will not go back to their lives that they came in. God, that they'll take what they've, Learned and apply it, and we will see fruit and, and we'll see a harvest in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today at At the Table with Darlene. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at darlenesolidrock at gmail.com. Let us know any topics you would like to hear from At the Table. You can also check us out at darleneroads.org, Also at WAWMinistries.org Thanks again for joining us at At the Table with Darlene.